Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Finally back. It has been a minute, and I know we got your hopes up with the old, uh, you know, season two announcement came out with one episode and then uh, kind of disappeared again. You know what? <laughs> Deal with it because we're busy people just like you. And, uh, and I'm, it's, it's actually really, I do feel really bad though because we came out of the gate swinging. Right. And, uh, we went to Compton we to record that hopes. episode. Yeah, man. we did. But uh, guys, it is so difficult to, um, to find time to do this sometimes. Um, but it's a priority to us because you guys have told us that it's a big deal to you. You know, we get messages from people that uh, it's crazy to think that when we went into this, we never thought uh, we'd get messages from people saying like, dude, you changed my life. Like you changed my marriage. Uh, you changed my faith. Like you've really helped me. So uh, telling us those stories, guys, we appreciate that because that's, you know, that's what's pushing us to do this. And also there's a little bit of a, a selfish motive, I guess you could call it, uh, because we all benefit from it as well. Marcus Wing is like transformed. You become a totally different person. And I think all of us have just by sitting here talking about things that, that make us better. So thank you for tuning in. And, uh, you know, I can't promise you anything, but moving forward, uh, we're going to just try to keep the content rolling as regularly as we possibly can not going to commit to a weekly or a monthly thing uh, as of right now. Maybe it'll be more, maybe it'll be less. But uh, I was always taught by one of my mentors, uh, Rich Eggett, to um, under-promise and over-deliver. So that's the goal here. Um, so tonight's episode is going to be interesting because I don't know if we've ever, ever done a full-blown Q&A. Uh, I think we've attempted it once and we, we got it. like three deep and we never ended up putting it up. We did phone calls and that went... A little bit, I think, long-winded. It went a little sideways, yeah. The, yeah. The, some of those Q&As turned into like full-blown conversations. We, we didn't pose that, right? I still have the, uh, the uh, content, but I don't think that we decided to post it. Believe it or not, we actually have yeah. a decent amount of stuff that we've shot that we've never recorded or that we've never posted just because it didn't either... Sometimes we just shoot, like, it's only been a couple times, but just a, a real shit episode. <laughs> like, we've had some stuff yeah. where it wasn't even bad stuff. It just... It was so scattered that you couldn't condense it into a you know a podcast format that you guys could listen to and be like oh yeah that was beneficial you'd be done and be like what did I just listen to that was a lot of lot of information didn't make it past the quality control uh, department exactly yep a little kind of came out a little bit burnt right so season three here <clears throat> yeah season we're opening three, season up four whatever we're on but guys the reason um, uh, we want to get into this night is because uh, kind of coming back to you from a little bit of a hiatus, there's a lot of questions. People wonder where we're at, what we're doing, what's going on. I got to tell you, we've all made some very big moves over the last little while. We've all grown tremendously. Our families have grown and, um, you know, exciting updates. I know that one of the main questions that we're going to get, um, in fact, I've seen it all over the, the social media is, uh, what's the deal with this electric truck that I just came out with, the Nikola Badger? Well, we decided to dedicate an entire episode to that. So that's going to be the episode coming out after this one. Uh, I believe this is episode 22. Uh, so look for episode 23, which will be all about the Nikola Badger, which is, uh, in my opinion, going to be the world's best pickup truck. So with that said, we'll get right into the questions. Marcus, what do you have? Uh, so I've got a couple. Um, and for those wondering, we didn't delete the heavy checklist Instagram page. We would have posted that up, but we're trying to figure out how to turn it back on. I think we've got hacked. So Dave posted this on his uh, Instagram page, and I think this one's going to be directed towards you, Dave. It says, <clears throat> how do you manage your time? 
between work, wife, kids, everyday tasks, and working towards your goals? Did you have to make sacrifices and miss out on important things? If so, how did your family respond to your decisions? Also, any tips you can give someone on how to improve their time management would be great. So listen, the best thing that I ever did for myself and for my business was uh, find my wife, Ashley, because she, uh, you know, when we first got married, she knew I was ambitious. She knew I had a lot of, you know, high goals and things that I wanted to work towards. I don't think she knew exactly what she got herself into when she realized that I was working like 12, 14, 16 hours a day. So to answer the question, yeah, you definitely, if you're going to, if you're going to get to, um, well, for me to get to the level that I wanted to get to, and that I'm still working towards, uh, and for you to get to the level that you probably want to get to, you're going to have to make sacrifices. No doubt about it. You're going to miss out, um, on things. And so you have to just find out what that balance looks like to you because, uh, my balance is going to look significantly different than what yours is going to be. Figure out what's important to you. And then also in your family, figure out what's important to your family members, your wife, um, your kids. If you're not married, figure out what's important to your friends, people who are close to you, and make sure that you're doing your best to fulfill needs across the board, both yours and theirs. But I will tell you this, working on yourself and making yourself a better person is never a bad thing. And you know, sometimes you may feel a little selfish, whether you're taking too much time for yourself or whatever it is. I promise you that the more you work on yourself, the better you'll be able to influence everybody around you. And that's what's really kind of the turning point in my marriage. When my wife finally realized, like when I'm out working or I'm Googling something until five in the morning or whatever it is that I'm doing, what I've just got, it's a hundred percent of my attention. She knows that when I pull away from that, I'm going to be happier. I'm going to be more fulfilled. I'm going to have, I'm going to have like, you know, scratch that itch that I have, which most entrepreneurs do. And she loves it. So she allows me to have that time. But in return, she expects me to come to her and be fully engaged with her when we're together, which I can't say that I'm always 100% of the time fully engaged with my wife. But I will tell you this, I make a really, really, you know, valiant effort to be able to give her 100% of me when we're together um, and at least make sure that I'm not, I'm not sitting there, you know, just giving her 10%, 10 or 20% of my attention when we're together. So find that balance and figure out what those sacrifices are that you're willing to make um, and figure out what other people around you need. There's a lot of things that you can sacrifice and go without, like no big deal. But when it comes to fostering like relationships and um, making sure that people feel loved around you, that's what you got to really like make sure of and, and focus on. So um, I think uh, uh, that's a hard question. What was the the, the time management? Um, let's see here. It says between work, wife, kids, everyday tasks, and working towards your goals. Did you have to make sacrifices and miss out on important things? Um, also, how do you respond to your family decisions? Um, also, any tips you can give someone on how to improve their time management would be great. So the time management thing is, um, you know, in my position running the businesses that I do and filming the show, a lot of my time is managed automatically for me, meaning I have to be here and I have to be there and there's places that I have to be and things that I have to do. As a young entrepreneur starting out your business, um, you'll find that all of a sudden you don't have a boss and you don't have anybody to report to. So you have to be accountable to yourself. You have to make sure that you're using your time 
the best way possible. And just doing a lot of stuff isn't necessarily always the best way to manage your time. In fact, I think one of the most valuable things that I've ever done for my own time management is allowing other people to do things for me. So for time management, delegate. Like just find somebody that can do it for you because you don't need to be going to the post office. You don't need to be filing, you know, the the filing cabinet and by alphabetical order. Like find somebody to do that for you and you'll find you can get it done really cheap. So uh, even things like mowing the lawn, if your time is limited, hire a landscape company to pay 25 bucks and they'll come and do it for you because that's two or three hours extra that you could go spend with your wife or something like that. So just figure out what those trade-offs are to you and what the value is, but don't be afraid to let other people do things for you. And, and in fact, I would look for those opportunities. If you're high level and you're real busy, find an assistant. Relationship wise, do you have like a set time or like day of the week or uh, like thing that you do with Ashley that uh, she looks forward to plans on, or is it just when you can fit it in? You know what I mean? Yeah. She kind of like mandated that Saturdays are date night. Um, and it kind of happened before I even knew what was happening because one thing that I do for myself, I don't have many weekends home anymore because we're always on the road. But uh, if I'm home, my Saturday is like my most sacred day. Like you're not allowed to, to, to touch me, talk to me, look at me on Saturdays. I, I go disappear into my own Noted. world. Like I'm serious. Like Kenny's, Kenny's been there on Saturdays. Oh, I've seen him there. Kenny will roll up to me on my hanger and on Saturday and I'll, I'll look right through him. I, he's my best friend in the whole world. Like I just, that's my time. I need my space. Cause if I don't get it, I have an anxiety all throughout the week because there's just things that I want to do for myself that I don't get to do. So, um, with that said, knowing that I have Saturdays myself, my wife was nice enough to, to not like say, no, you know, every other Saturday we have to go do kids things or whatever. She said, okay, well, Saturday nights are date nights then. So six, seven o'clock on Saturday nights, we go and we have our date night. Um, if, and when I'm home, and if I'm not home, um, luckily I've figured out a way to integrate her into most of my travels. So I've been gone pretty much every weekend this year so far. Notice that Ashley and the family have been with you on quite a few trips. Yeah, Ashley is almost always with me on those trips. And uh, if she's, uh, you know, if it's not her, then it's her and the kids. Rarely do I go by myself. That's awesome. It is fun. So uh, finding ways to do that. I mean, that's why I do what I do. That's why I do Monster Jam, actually. Monster Jam, there's probably, there's way more like, important things I could be doing with my time right now, but it fulfills my competitive, you know, uh, needs. It gives me an opportunity to go out and do something cool. And honestly, it's one of the very few things that's able to still give me like a huge adrenaline rush. Um, and it allows my family to spend time together. So we travel to monster jam and like, it's just the coolest watching my kids. Like I flew for the first time the other day, uh, just me and one of my kids, Mac, my youngest, I saw that. just the two of us hanging out in first class. And it was the coolest thing in the world because I saw a side of them that I never get to see because did you know that your kids are significantly different when mom's not around? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're like way cooler. Yeah. yeah not as whiny. Dude, they're not as whiny. They're I didn't awesome. know this. Yeah. Like I, I've been so busy and that's one of the trade-offs that we're talking about here is I have not had a ton of time to spend one-on-one -on -one with my kids over the years. I mean, over the last couple of years, yes, more and more, but in the early days, no. So I'm seeing things that uh, you guys probably already saw when your kids were first born. No, we're riding that same wave together, man. I mean, I'm enjoying these earlier years as well with them because I missed out on on some of that that I don't want to miss out again. You know, uh, we blink and our kids are growing up. That's one of my biggest fears now is is you know my daughter Charlie turning 18. And she's only eight right now, and the, um, or is she nine? She's there eight. Did you say 18? Eight. She's eight, right? Yeah. Uh, having her turn 18 and me being like. 
shit, where the last 10 years go? Yep. Like, was I there? I don't want to have that. I want to know for sure. Like, oh yeah, I remember the time that we as a family went and did this and went here and went and did those things. So um, for me, that's the most critical part. But dude, my priorities have changed. I used to think about work more than I would think about anything else. Now I think about my family more than I think about anything else. And I've got some really big things working going on at work. So <laughs> you're asking for like the, 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 like the golden ticket there with that question, but that's some of those case things- case by case yeah, scenario Yeah, it is case too. by case, but just- um, best thing that I've done is, is put myself in other people's shoes, uh, and, and try to figure out how my actions are affecting them. And that really helped me kind of like focus on what I needed to be doing and how I should respond to certain situations and things. So Kenny, what do you got? Do you got any questions over there? I do. You ready? These ones are kind of similar. Maybe we'll read them together. Uh, how do you stay motivated to push forward when the stress of everyday life, business, and family can bog you down? And then looking at your career, building your business, what is one of the things that you wish you would have known or done when you first started that would have helped you grow faster? So I think that these kind of piggyback off each other a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read some of the first one again. Yeah. How do you stay motivated to push forward when you get stressed? That's a summary. So do you get stressed? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you ask my wife that question, she'd say absolutely get stressed. But my stress is different. My stress is more of a, um, more of like a, kind of like a, like a problem solving, like, yeah. all right, I'm going to crunch. What do I got to do? Like more of like a trying to figure out a puzzle type of stress. Um, because I have in the past felt stress bottling up and luckily I was in tune enough to know that it was stress and it was like starting to like overwhelm me and I caught it and I stopped it. And because you can stop it, you can, you can, you can literally train yourself to not worry about things. Like just to tell yourself it's okay. Or if you're not to the point where you can just not worry about things, just it's okay to avoid things too. Like there are certain things if they stress you out so bad, like in the early days, I, I could not look at the business bank account like more than once a week because if I saw that I was like, close to you know overdraft or whatever, it would terrify me and it would ruin my whole day. Even though it wasn't a big, big deal, I was gonna be able to figure out how to make it work, but it would just ruin my day. And so I just learned to just work around it. And there was times that I went into overdraft because I didn't know. And guess what? I dealt with it. But my life, my quality of life became way, way, way better because I wasn't always stressing about those things. So um, don't allow yourself to stress and that's easier said than done, but find the things that are causing you stress. Um, look throughout the day when that one thing happens, that person texts you or you look at that bank account or you look at that bill and then remember how you feel because you'll know exactly very clearly like, oh, that's the one, that's, that's something that stresses me out. Like it's very obvious and uh, manipulate that situation so that it stops causing you the stress. Um, it doesn't mean your problems are gonna go away and you can't ignore them and they're, you know, that's gonna just make them worse. You just have to figure out how you respond to them because best thing I ever learned in my life was Nothing can make me feel anything. Think about that. Nothing has the, the, the absolute like, power to make me feel anything. The only reason I feel anything is because of the way I allow myself to feel. Like If you tell me I'm fat, ugly, and stupid, I can only feel bad if I allow you to make me feel bad. Because if I don't want to feel bad, all I have to do is just tell myself he's wrong. You're wrong. I'm handsome, tall, and strong. Like Hell yeah, you are. That, that, that's, this, is, this is like... This is a little bit of like my, my overconfidence that my wife tells me I have, but it's served me more often than not. 
So, Kenny, do you have an answer to that question as far as the way that you, you know, you run a big business and yeah, it, it it's one of those things. I think I undervalued how sleep helped me. Um, I mean, I, my stresses have changed over the years. It was you know highly focused on um, you know let's just let's just dummy it down uh, transactional aspects of my company um, in the business um, to where you're dealing with components of other people's behaviors in your business and those stresses um, when they became new to me I wasn't sure how to handle them um, but then it comes back to processes and then like you're saying not not making them affect you uh, but one of the biggest things I learned about that whole stress component and you know you you call it avoiding it but the way I kind of pictured in my mind is if you were a heart surgeon and you were working on somebody's heart you're not having to worry about the cut on that person's finger or, you know, a smaller injury on their ankle or these other things. You know, that whole saying, don't sweat the small stuff, whatever. Keep in perspective what fires you're putting out. You can worry about all those other cuts and taking care of that person and healing them 100%. But if you're a heart surgeon, you're going in there to do heart surgery. I just try to make sure that I'm focusing on the uh, priorities that are in place in the moment that I need to deal with. Um, or projections. You know, one of the best things is, you'll hear me say is to be prepared. You know, try to prepare for those things the best that you can, and then you're living more of like an excitement or in preparation. And it, you know, essentially stress is fear, right? You're fearing something. And what's the worst that can happen? I can't remember how many times I've talked to Dave about this. I came, you know, we'll chat in the hangar, working out or whatever, and he'll bring up, you know, yeah, what's the worst that what's the worst that can happen to you? And it's your like, worst case scenario. Oh, yeah. So he brings that up a lot. Yeah, your worst case scenario is not that bad. And that's actually, uh, I'm going to go ahead and do my own little Q&A right here to piggyback off what you're saying, because I was just um, on a podcast with my buddy Lewis Howes uh, down in LA yesterday. And as part of his podcast, every single one that he does at the end, he asks this question to every guest that he has. He says, um, if you were to die tomorrow uh, and you, you know, everything you'd done, everything you, you had built, was gone, done, every, nothing was left except for three truths. You could leave three things behind for the world to know about you. What would those things be? That's a hard question. I don't like those kind of questions. I'm usually like, like, what's the secret to life? Those types of questions. I hate those questions. But this one kind of got me thinking. I actually, um, without even having to really kind of dig into it too much, I, I, my brain said, all right, well, talk to him about what you live by. And that is this. Number one, uh, worst case scenario is not that bad. It's never that bad. Your bankruptcy, your divorce, your breakup, your fight, they're not that bad. It's way, 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 way worse in your head than it is in real life. And it might be really bad in real life. Like you might go through some really, really bad situations, but I promise you, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. The failure, whatever it is, just it's worth taking the risk. It's 100% worth taking the risk. And if you're over-calculating things and you're trying to figure out like, what's the risk, what, what, you know, stop. Like, so at some point you just have to just jump in and just do your very best. And if it doesn't work out, just know that you're going to be okay. That's very simple. Um, number two uh, of, my, of my list of truths was, um, this is this, you guys are going to laugh when you hear me say this because this is something that I'm really trying to work on and, and, implement my own life and its focus. Uh, my dad used to call it the shotgun approach. When I would go out and start a business or do whatever I was, if you go um, clay pigeon shooting with a shotgun, 
you can usually shoot up in the sky and one of those random stray BBs from the shotgun is going to scatter out and break the pigeon, right? Pigeon's weak little, you know, piece of clay. You go try to hunt a deer with a shotgun with the same, you know, uh, shot, it's going to happen. You hit a deer with a BB, he's going to laugh at you. Like, it's, I mean, it might pierce the skin, but you're not going to kill it. You're not going to get anything. Um, and so the bigger the, the bigger the reward, that deer versus a clay pigeon, the more focus you need. So you got to be able to have like your energy right on that one thing. So this is why I haven't done the heavy academy again, guys. I um, the academy was great. We had a lot of fun with it. Uh, huge turnout. Tons of like people really benefited from it. But it was it was a huge huge um, drain on my time and energy because you know how you know what to do it. Like it was very it was a yeah. big deal uh, preparing all that content and getting ready to go do it. So I knew that in doing that, I was I was missing out on, uh, I, I wasn't giving the full attention to some of these other things I needed to be working on. Um, and even things like my family and stuff, like I've been able to dedicate and spend more time with my kids and, and things like that. I'm not saying I won't do the academy again, but I don't want to be a guy who does, uh, you know, 10 things kind of good. I want to be a guy who does three or four things really good, like the best in the world. This is why I stopped desert racing and stopped pretty much every other form of racing other than Monster Jam because I want to become the best damn monster truck driver in the world. And dude, I got to tell you this. <laughs> this is this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a long time. In the Monster Jam world, um, I drive the only diesel-powered um, monster truck. It's a big deal because the other monster trucks all run big alcohol, you know, methanol blown motors that have been proven and they they're fast and they're huge horsepower and instant power. And then I come in with this Duramax, which is basically a truck engine. And so the odds were stacked against me a little bit, but I was determined to be able to make a big splash and make this thing grow. So there's a guy in the monster jam world. He's another monster truck driver. He runs a truck called bounty hunter and bounty hunter. And I, bounty hunter has been, dude, Jimmy Creighton has been driving for probably 20 plus years. That dude's a legend. And he's also, very, very aggressive when it comes to racing. Like he's the world uh, racing champion right now. Um, he just won down world finals and he loves racing. That's what he does best. And for some reason over the last two years, I get put up against Jimmy every single time at the, at these events. Like it's just a random draw. And somehow there I am with Jimmy again. And Jimmy just beat me and beat me and beat me and beat me over and over and over again. And uh, that was kind of when I was just like dropping in, driving a show, I'd go, go, drive something else i wasn't taking it fully serious well this year i said i'm going to take it 100 serious and um i've driven uh four or five four shows already this year but they've been consistent back to back and um the last two shows that i drove i beat jimmy over and over and over like jimmy's the fastest guy out there in fact i was so fast that i get the fastest lap times during qualifying um and which puts me at the top of the bracket of each show and Jimmy and I have always had like Jimmy's so sneaky when you pull up to the line and the lights are getting ready to turn green you see like uh most drivers wait like they, they know your stage everybody's comfortable it's like ready set go well Jimmy like kind of like, like pushes up and waits and like teases you and backs out of the line and just messes with your head because this he's a <laughs> true drag racer and uh I used to get so pissed at him for doing it. I'm like what a dick like this is this is supposed to be fun but obviously it's competitive too um but I beat him again the other night in San Diego. Yeah. Um, and it was every time we, we, we raced and I beat him, it was like a photo finish. You have to go back and review the tape. And I'm like, maybe half a tire ahead of him. And uh, I beat him and it took me to the final round of racing. And my truck was overheating and uh, like the odds were stacked against me. But I was so proud of that win 
And then I see Jimmy posted a, he posted a video on his Instagram page the day after the race. And I see that he tagged me in it. I'm like, oh, great. Like, like Jimmy's, Jimmy's, Jimmy says, speaks his mind. And I thought for sure he was going to be like calling me out. And I'm going to read you the caption to it. It's a, it's a video of me racing against him. And it says, winners work hard every day to better themselves. They face adversity, setbacks, and get punched in the mouth day after day after day. You got to realize, as I start reading this, I'm like, oh, was he tooting his own horn? Like, what's he doing? And he says, most people quit because it gets too hard. Plus, they do not like getting punched in the mouth. The thing about winners is they keep getting up and are not afraid to get back in the seat and do it all again. Winners work hard. When hard work and preparation meet opportunity, they rise to the occasion and become champions. Heavy D Sparks is a winner. Every event, each race pass, each freestyle, he keeps getting better and better. He learns from experiences, good and bad, and uses that knowledge to fuel growth. When you watch Heavy D Sparks compete, you are witnessing the making of a future champion of Monster Jam. I'm like, this is coming from a legend in the sport. And that right there was so rewarding for me to read, not because it was just saying nice things about me, because it confirmed my uh, concept of focus I was telling you guys about. I wanted to become the best driver, and I will become one of the best Monster Jam drivers in the entire world, and it's only going to happen because I'm focusing on it. I'm not letting things distract me. There are so many other things I would love to go race and do and, and you know get kind of good at. I'm not going to let myself do it until I become the best at this and the best at whatever else I'm doing. So that's why uh, I feel like the concept of being able to focus, and even if it comes at a cost, maybe you have to sacrifice things that you really enjoy doing or that you really want to do, it will be the, the most valuable thing you'll ever do because nobody, nobody should be kind of good at things. Nobody wants somebody who's just kind of good at things. Well, you, you feel like monster trucks, obviously you want to be good at it. You're working hard to be the best, but do you also feel like it's a good outlet for you as well? Oh, like, yeah, like, I mean, cause I feel like so many people will get caught up in their work that they don't, they don't realize that they can still enjoy things and have hobbies and do things that take their mind away from work. You know what I mean? Well, the unique thing about monster trucks is especially monster jam, the way that you're scored and the way that you win an event is a hybrid scoring system. So racing, you just have to beat the other guy. Like it's flat out, like my time's faster than you. So it's real competitive. The other two events, the skills challenge and freestyle are judged by the fans. So not only do you have to be a really good driver, but you also be able to be a good showman. So you have to go out there and like, like I used to just be like, okay, I'm gonna go out there and just drive the truck and I'll get kind of like weak scores. And then I'd watch the other buddies of mine that are really, really good, legendary, amazing drivers like Ryan Anderson and Adam Anderson. They drive uh, Grave Digger and Son of a Digger. Little style things like they go around the corner and like, like slide around the turn, like like a 180 into their parking stall and just little things like that that they're putting on a show, pulling up on the dirt mound before they start their run and revving it up. Things that I always just thought like just monster trucks do, but no, they don't. Showmen do that type of the type of thing. So it's allowed me the opportunity to not only be competitive, but also, you know, <laughs> it's funny. One thing that I don't know if I'm going to learn how to do this or not, but when I won my first freestyle my, or my whole event, for some reason, something in my head said, I was standing on the on the top of the truck. Something in my head said, "Do a backflip," <laughs> and I literally almost backflipped off the back of the truck, like onto the ground. Are you because, talking about just this weekend? No, no, this was like a year ago. Okay, I something said, "Do a backflip," <laughs> and I seriously, literally, almost just threw my body off and thought that I could do a backflip. Luckily, I stopped Never myself. Never doing it before. Never having done a backflip off of a monster truck on flat ground. 
So it's now part of like my my victory dance. I'm probably going to learn how to do a backflip off the tire. Maybe That's I don't cool. know if it'll happen this year, or next year, or next week. But when you when you get that adrenaline rush, which very few things I have the opportunity to get that type of rush, the competitive versus the the like life, you know, it's just risky stuff that I'm doing. Like people don't realize there's there's a lot of injuries in Monster Jam. We don't talk about it very much because it's a family sport. And we don't want kids to be you know nervous, but dudes are breaking their backs and necks all the time. Oh. Yeah. You know, why, you know why I like motorcycles so much? Huh. What do you think about when you're riding a trail, like, a, like a, say, a single-track technical trail, and you're on a dirt bike, and you're up in the mountains, and you're navigating through all the trees and not trying to catch stumps? What are you thinking about? Anything besides navigating the motorcycle and getting straight and not breaking a foot or Just anything ripping, like that? Man. Yeah, not usually. It clears your head, man. Yeah. And I feel like that's what people need when it comes to not stressing about business. You know, you, you hear the term grind, 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 right? Yeah. But you need something that clears your head. You need something that takes away from that and kind of puts you in a good place. And I feel that's what monster trucks do for you. Yeah. I feel that's what motorcycles do for me. And I think that's what everyone needs to find is something that can reset them and take their mind away from maybe stressful work situations. And you know what? Get good at it. Going back to that point that I was making is... Find those things that you enjoy and become really, really good at them. Like it's yeah. okay. It's okay to dedicate a lot of time and energy to something that you either want to excel at for your career or just like a hobby that you want to get good at. I would actually encourage that you do that because you'll find that your self-esteem is it, it kind of takes a hit when you don't allow yourself to become the best at something because then you compare yourself to other people or whatever it is and and you'll realize like well why am i not that good i, you, I used to do think you want to know a secret huh you know last time we rode motorcycles we were going up that mountain we were on a single track up behind your old house yeah i so badly wanted to kick your ass like, <laughs> i never admitted that but you've always been faster than me on a motorcycle <laughs> and, and dude that's like i've been training like single track riding and trail riding because I'm like, the next time I ride with Dave, I'm going to kick his ass. I'm going to smoke him. I'm going to be better than he is on a dirt bike. So I totally get that, the whole being good at it. It's been a few years, so yeah, I, I'm going to kick I'm nervous your ass. for our next ride. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, but it, it's a good feeling to be able to excel yeah. at what you're doing. So that's uh, the point number two that I was giving to Lewis is, is take your focus and just really, really dial it in and, and do that at, at a cost. Drop other things that you're doing. Just do it. Figure out what's not serving you or what you maybe could save for later and, and move it. Um, and number three, and this is totally kind of just, like I said, kind of a uh, transition out of the Q&A for a minute, but I thought it was a good point because Lewis's podcast is going to come out in a week or two and I wanted to beat him to it anyways. Um, number three is it's okay um, to love other people. And the reason why I say that is because I think I've, Growing up, I was kind of oblivious to how other people felt. I always just assumed that if I was good, everybody was good. And I, I wouldn't really concern myself uh, with trying to really learn about how people around me felt. And more importantly, how my actions, what kind of consequences they had on other people. So in learning to love other people, and you know, I learned a lot of this on my mission, um, I, I gained this huge love for Latino people. Before my mission, I didn't. I was didn't really care one way or the other. I definitely wasn't racist, but I definitely wasn't like out there looking to have relationships with Hispanic people. Now I do because I understand the culture and I I've, I learned a lot about love from them. That they love everybody. Like you can show up to 
you can go to any house in the middle of the Amazon jungle right now and knock on the door and within 30 seconds, you're going to be sitting down at their dinner table. Like that's just a very welcoming, loving people. So, and the byproduct of love is all good. Everything that comes from it is really good. And I've said this before where even for selfish motives, like sometimes if you don't understand why you need to help somebody, just do it because remember I, I told you this, everything that you give, you get more. So if you're giving, I promise you in one way or the other, and this is, shouldn't be the whole reason why you do this, but sometimes you need a little extra motivation knowing that um, some way, somehow, if you're giving, you're going to be receiving more than you're giving. It's just, that's the way, that's karma. That's the law of the universe. That's, you know, God, that's everything. That's just the way it works. It's, that's why the golden rule is, you know, just love your neighbor, take care of each other. So uh, there's a lot of particular, like specific instructions that I could give you on that. But the best one that I could probably, uh, well, best two things I could tell you on that is just look for opportunities to serve other people. Like, you know, the typical stuff, shove yourself your neighbor's driveway, help somebody who doesn't have food, that kind of stuff. But also the second one, which is a little more complicated, especially for a guy like me who's oblivious, is be aware of of how you're making people feel. And and go go a little further than is comfortable for you because you'll find that you may say and do things that you think are perfectly normal, but they're actually affecting people in a in in you know, many times a bad way, sometimes a great way, but you gotta be careful. I, I just learned that people are way more sensitive to, um, way more sensitive than you would ever expect. And it's not a bad thing. Like I'm not saying sensitive, like their feelings are always hurt. Just like sometimes they may not understand why you do what you do. So a little bit of explaining or a little bit of communication goes a long way. And, uh, that's been one of the, the biggest things that I've been trying to learn how to obviously love other people. So those are my three truths. That wasn't a question, but it's uh, valuable stuff. Those truths like remind it. me, <clears throat> they remind me of, uh, uh, how most things work. Like you just said, when you work out, if you're working out consistently, you start to get gains, right? Um, so the whole analogy of, uh, you know, what you put into something you get back, right? That's with business. That's with relationships. Um, so if you're not getting out of something that what you want, put more into it. You know, and that, that's essentially what I'm hearing you say is, hey, you weren't... Unless it's a Ponzi scheme. Unless it's a Ponzi. Don't keep putting more in. Yeah, stop. Cut your loss. At stop. <laughs> Do not give that man in Singapore yes. any more money. Right. My uh, grandpa, dude. Gold my, bars. my poor grandpa just fell victim to Ponzi schemes. And but just... watching you drive last year and this year is two different people. Yeah. I mean, watching you rip your steering wheel off at the end of your backflip um, on Saturday night, you were, I thought you were going to do a backflip, uh, you know, personally, your, your vehicle oh, yeah, did yeah, a backflip yeah. and I thought you were going to get out of the vehicle and do a backflip. You ran out into the middle of the, I don't know if you made it all the way to the middle, but you ran out and, you know, on foot threw my $7,000 helmet in the air out of celebration. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as I threw, it was like, son of a bitch, that's not good. But you know, to answer Marx's question, you do get a release. It was obvious to everybody in the crowd. I mean, you definitely are wired that way that that was, that was really healthy for you. And going back to what you were saying about your wife, our wives know when we need to go back and engage, like you said, scratch that itch. Um, you know, I, a few years ago, it was probably four or five years ago, I would have never thought my wife would tell me, do you need to go back to the office? You know, or do you need to go get a workout? You know, There's times I'm home and I've got to go work out and she knows it and she'll tell me to. And then I come back and I'm engaged with my family. And then I'm engaged in whatever it is we're going to do. But 
sometimes you got to get you got to blow out that that steam or reset or sharpen the saw or all the other analogies that are out there but it's figuring out what kind of feeds your soul you know and it loving people i tell my friends i love them all the time they probably think i'm weird i mean i i know i do i love them i'd, I'd hate to see what my life's like without them but you get out of it what you put into it uh, it's true with relationships business working well, out you guys ever heard what's good for the bee is good for the hive right what's bad for the bee is bad for the hive so if it's if it's good for me and it's helping me and i'm becoming a better person at home that's going to reflect the same thing right becoming better and i'm helping my family so um that's a, that's really something that my wife and i finally came to like an understanding on um i don't know when it was it was years ago but once she understood like how that works and it's not just me trying to go out and just be away from the family or trying to have my own time but like once she saw that it translated into like better quality time together she got it and it was cool um it's rare though yeah, it, we it have, is rare. We it have rare. something. We have something amazing. But I, I, would, I, I would encourage wish everybody, everybody try that. Like, just yeah. explain to your wife or your significant other, whoever is wanting more of your time and not getting it. Help them understand that uh, in supporting you, they could actually benefit from all of it significantly more if you're doing the right things. Now, if you're going out playing Nintendo games all day and you know not doing anything productive, then that's I think you already know. Like. You, like I said, you, what's good for the bee is good for the hive. You'll know if it's good for you or not. Right. Um, I'm going to move on to this next question here because I was just glancing down and, and it pissed me off. Um, and we're going <laughs> to talk about this a lot next week. But uh, there's been a few very small handful of uh, followers, people that are on my pages, that when I release this electric truck are like, oh, sell out, you liberal, you burn your voter. Um, this guy says, why are you turning on all your fans and going to push diesels out like a common liberal? Um, oh man, stop being ignorant. Like, uh, that is, that is the most ignorant mentality in the world. And I, I truly don't know if this person really means that, or if he's just trying to like get a rise out of me. Um, and I really don't respond to many of those people, but, uh, I'm going to respond to this because I'm going to respond to it as if this person's being sincere. So if you feel this way, if you're looking at something that I'm doing, like releasing an electric truck and talking about it as I'm turning my back on diesels or whatever it is, um, take my answer here right now and apply it to any scenario where you're not comfortable with change. And if you feel like you would leave a comment like this, um, the, <laughs> there's no such thing as this or that in this world. Like, it's all kind of like this and that, or this, that, 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 and all these other things. Like you don't just take a stand on one thing and mean you have to completely turn your back on something else. <laughs> so in embracing electric vehicles and electric mobility, that doesn't mean that I'm turning my back on, on diesel power and gasoline power, never in a million years. Now, this is the way the whole political system works, and this is why it's broken. This is why I don't get into politics, because right. it means if I come out and I say, I support the president. Then instantly, instantly people come out and say, you're a racist bastard. Well, no, no I'm not. And I'm not telling you my political beliefs. It's just giving you examples right yeah. now. I will <laughs> never get into politics. Um, but this is just like, just because I support one person doesn't mean that I am, just because that's black doesn't mean it has to be white on if their side. If you're friends with him, you can't be friends with me. What, dude, you it's, know? It's like you guys have this commonality, diesel trucks, and now you have, an, you, now you're adding this electric vehicle, yeah. it doesn't mean that you're not also still having this commonality. You're adding to it. You're bringing to his life 
a new fun, exciting thing, fast vehicle, exciting, you know, a, a new opportunity. And instead of him, you know, with open arms receiving this in excitement, right? What's good for Dave must be good for me. Uh, he's saying, you're leaving me. You're, you know, we don't have this commonality anymore. But Dude, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, what I'm doing with the electric truck side of it is a very just small example. Like to answer your question, no, I'm not turning my back on diesel power. I'm always going to have a diesel vehicle. I'm always going to have gasoline powered vehicles. It's not about that. It's not about being a liberal. It's not about your political beliefs. Just because somebody is excited about something that you're not excited about doesn't mean that it's wrong. And just because somebody supports some agenda, whether it be political or religious or not, doesn't mean that they're trying to tell you that yours is wrong. Stop buying into that bullshit. It's the reason why CNN is, is literally going down in flames right now because they make everything about, okay, uh, the Republicans did this, so Democrats have to be this. Uh, Republicans love babies. Democrats hate babies. You know, they, they there's literally no line in the there's sand. No, they just, everything has to be polarizing because yeah. it gets ratings. It gets views. People, it gets people all fired up, but it's not real. That is yeah. not real life. Real life is about compromise. Real life is about, uh, growing. Real life is getting out of your comfort zone. Real life is, is being okay with other people's decisions, even if it's not a decision that you would make. So, um, stop being an ignorant, like just, ugh. People like this frustrate me because it's small town mentality and it's, it's ingrained in them since they're little kids, but you got to stop that right now because that's going to completely hinder your growth and any sort of progress you're going to have in your life. And literally you're going to end up working at the Denny's for the rest of your life. What I want to know is, is <laughs> was this the same reaction when they saw you in a razor or a jet ski or a bicycle yeah, or yeah. why, why is it? When I started playing with gasoline power, like razors, people were like, Oh, put a diesel in it. They see my snow. I still get people telling me to put a diesel engine in my snowmobile. Like, that's not it, a bad idea. Sure, maybe, but there's nothing wrong no, with the a gas. A diesel engine in a snowmobile is a bad idea. I'm I'm not a there's reasons why but, you don't do these things. It's yeah. because it's not black or white. It doesn't have to be this or that. Right. Is this a good time to announce the rebrand of diesel power gear to electric power gear? It's the Battery Brothers. The Battery yeah, Brothers. And the hydrogen that's homies. It. Nice. Uh, yeah, dude. Oh. It's, I, I've seen some. Some. <laughs> a lot of the comments are funny, and I know people are just jo joking, but there, there's genuinely like. Instagram handle 12 valve kid 97 who's like like seriously upset that I'm turning my back on diesels and it's like come on dude it's don't don't that's not a real thing yeah it's just not real so um what are the just dream crashing right now yeah, bro I know I know this I got a good great. one for you he talked about never wanting to talk about politics um isn't politics but uh, a lot of people on who listen to the show know that we are all LDS which means we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, correct? Um, and they have a question regarding that. Uh, and I've got to pull it up because I didn't screenshot it like I thought I did. Basically, the question was, how has being a member of this church um, structured the decisions you've made in your life? And do you feel like it's been positive? And did going on a two-year mission um, change the course of your life? Well, let me tell you this right now. Um, that has nothing to do with politics and, and no, no, re no, religion and politics. I believe they don't, they don't go hand in hand, which is why I don't mix them, but I will be very vocal about my religion. And the reason why I do that is because it's the same reason I do this podcast. I found something that really helps me and I wanted to share it with people, right? Like that's literally the only reason why I ever talk about my religion is because I, I wouldn't talk about my religion if it didn't make me happy. 
Because guess what? Do I talk about anything that doesn't make me happy? Do I get on here and give a checklist and say, hey, uh, I hate slivers and I hate uh, olives and like, no, I don't do that. Olives are pretty good. I hate olives. You love crabs. <laughs> Not a fan of crabs. I'll eat a crab, but I don't like to play with crabs. Um, it freaks me out how they run sideways. I love it. Why do they go? When I catch a crab, I'm going to bring some more. Why can they go so fast sideways though? Why, what, 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 what animal needs to go that fast sideways? I don't know. I'm going to get a couple crabs for us. Sorry, nobody knows. But they can haul ass sideways and it's they not go pretty it's, quick. It's not cool. So yeah, I'm sorry guys. I lied. I will talk about things I don't like, which are crabs. Um, but the, listen, the church, uh, I was very fortunate to be born into it. And being born into it, I was presented with these gospel principles from an early age. Uh, they what does that mean, gospel principles? So, Break that down. Uh, things like believing in Jesus, believing um, in God, believing in the Holy Ghost, believing um, that- Set of standards. Yeah, having a set of standards, believing that it's, it's that the, the Ten Commandments are real things, believing that there's uh, things that are right, things that are wrong, believing that I should love what, you know my neighbor- like moral, moral values. all these things like um and you know growing up in the church these are all things that you're just taught and so think about it in our church we teach our kids that um you shouldn't have premarital sex we teach our kids that you shouldn't drink or smoke and you shouldn't lie and you shouldn't steal you shouldn't kill people and that you should probably do some service for your neighbor and help them out mm -hmm. tell me in there what's where's the bad are any of those teachings going to take my daughter, Charlie, to a bad place? No, it's only going to add value to their life. So that's the whole point. The church has, like, it, it gets a bad rap because, like, here's the deal. The best way to look at this is... Um, it's like an electric car. The gospel, the gospel is perfect. The church members aren't. Okay. Me especially. Yeah, I'm We not, as people are not perfect. The members of, of, of Christ's church... The, his followers, the reason we follow him is because we're not perfect. If we were perfect, we wouldn't need to follow him. Like we all make stupid mistakes. We all do dumb things. Even church leaders, like, yeah, you've seen things in the news about bishops and stuff like that. Yes, people mess up a people lot. make mistakes. I'll call it, out, call it out right now. Like you'll see mistakes made on a high level and on a very low level and everywhere in between because we're all humans and we all make mistakes and that's why we need the gospel in the first place. So uh, there may be some of you listening to this who don't believe in God. You might be atheist. That's fine. I'm not trying to tell you that you're right or you're wrong. I'm just telling you that I learned some valuable things um, throughout my life and I've experienced some things that I can't deny. I can't go back and say that it didn't happen because if I did, I think I'd go straight to hell um, because I know that the Lord has a very strong hand in my life. I know that I'm able to like to it's the greatest thing in the world. If I'm ever stressed or concerned or scared or nervous, whatever, like any bad feeling and even good feelings, I can instantly just say a prayer and start talking to like the most powerful being in the universe and tell him how I'm feeling. That's pretty cool. That's, that's pretty damn powerful. And uh, I keep my, I keep my views of the gospel relatively simple because, um, I don't like to not understand things. And so if I see something, I start digging into something too deep and I don't fully understand it, then uh, you know, I think people's brains start playing tricks on them and you can start to interpret things maybe incorrectly. So if there's something that I don't fully understand, like a deep, deep gospel principle, like being able to make my own world someday, um, I just don't even dive into it because until I'm fully ready to like wrap myself around that and receive like confirmation from God that this is real and that's how it is. I just 
I don't, I don't need that. That's how a lot of people fall away from the church. Well, and, you know, people have asked me like so many, I've had this multiple times asked to me. It's like, okay, you're, you're a Mormon, right? So you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't party. Uh, dude, what if you're wrong? What if you're wrong? What if you die and it's just black and it's over? And, and I look at it, I'm like, dude, my life has been so good because of the values that I've had from this church. How many dumb things I've avoided how many good decisions I've made because of the values and the morals that I've been taught and that I've, you know, committed to follow that it's like, dude, if this is all a big hoax, like I've lived a damn good life. And, and I feel like my life has been so enriched by the things that are taught in our church and the, uh, the families we raise in these church. And, and I, I just see all the goodness from it and all of the good things that, that have come from being taught these things. So well, if, even if it's a big hoax, yeah. which I fully believe it's not, but if it is, I mean. They, they act like you're it. missing out on, on some level of happiness like right. in that party world. The happiest people I've ever met are recovered alcoholics or somebody who's who's come out of rehab. Like they've seen the light. <laughs> like they're, they're like, I know what yeah. it's like to party and I know what it's like to be clean. And guess right. what? It feels really, yeah. really good to be clean. So. I mean, it just, it's just, it's common sense. Right. It's common sense. And that's kind of what the church principles are. They are, there's a lot of deep gospel stuff that as you learn more and more, you're like, wow, that's kind of crazy, like spiritual st- side of things. But the common sense side is, is, is just, it's very simple. If you're a good person, this is the stuff you'd be learning anyways. Just an invitation as well. Dave's a little bit harder to get a hold of, you know, on Instagram and things. He's, he gets hundreds of messages a day. But if you do have questions, that are centered around the things that we believe. Yeah. I'm gonna speak for Kenny and myself. Like we're pretty available on Instagram and we check our messages. So if you do have questions, I mean, there's other ways and we can direct you to missionaries, but if you feel more comfortable reaching out and asking questions, we are more than willing to do that. It's not something that we're like, you know, afraid of or something that is out of our comfort zone. Like no, I love talking about we it. We can talk about no, it for it sure. It only makes your life better, like you said, and, and everything we talk about, we want it to just benefit people's lives. I mean. Yeah. I love, you know, when Dave brought up you know, our kids, is, that, is there anything negative that's going to happen to Charlie, his daughter, or, or my daughter? No, only good's going to come out of those, these principles. And I don't know, I, you can get caught up in some of the things that you aren't allowed to do, right? Like the drinking and the smoking, whatever. But it's rare that we get the opportunity to share about all the great things we get to be a part of. Right. You know, all the many blessings that we have at our fingertips to, you know, help our lives, other people's lives. And that's a big part of it is we're, we're members of something that stands for, you know, truths and beliefs that we love and, you know, hold dear to our heart that you can't take away. Like Dave said, I mean, I'm no script. I'm not a scriptorian, but what I know, I know and you can't take it away. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we could have a whole series of podcasts about our religious beliefs and how and why we do things. But the best thing to do is, is, uh, is it the, it's lds.org uh-huh. um, which is basically our church website um, go there and, and like you can just browse around kick around see like one thing I think that's important too is you're a freaking normal ass dude yeah, yeah. and so I'm guys. I'm a yeah. normal dude yeah. right and I think that when people picture Mormons or LDS people or members of our faith they get the wrong idea but yeah. I, hopefully I mean they could see us and look at us so we are normal regular guys here's a fun fact that's one of the reasons why initially i grew my beard out because i knew that i was always going to have my my beliefs and my religious beliefs and i knew that 
having a beard might people might people might look at me and be like wait a minute he's he's mormon but he looks like that like okay like it might open doors and i honestly and when you're at reasons. church i think that people see that and feel more comfortable being there because i'll be honest i feel more comfortable hanging out with the tattooed dudes than sometimes the what you would picture being the normal member of our church you know? right yep definitely agree um we're gonna pull through a couple more questions here real quick one that i just saw uh let's see here it's uh basically saying why do you do ice baths and what's the deal with ice baths <laughs> um obviously we've been very vocal about our uh, ice bathing over the last uh, few months it's something that i actually learned about the wim hof method um actually let me back up a little bit ice baths uh have become mainstream due to a guy named wim hof wim hof is a guy uh from europe um holland or the netherlands or wherever is he still alive yeah yeah okay. he basically pioneered um this technique of it's it's a combination of breathing and getting uh, exposing yourself to the cold so he has done all these world records where he swam under frozen lakes and he can hold his breath for five minutes and i heard i was hearing all these things and i was like that's kind of cool maybe i'll uh, i'll read a book about him so i i read this book called uh, what doesn't kill us by scott carney and uh it's basically a journalist who had heard about wim hof as well and he's like his whole career was dedicated to debunking people like wim hof who claimed to be like shaman or magic man or healers so he went over to debunk wim hof and uh ended up not being able to debunk him and, and found out that everything that wim was uh claiming was true and so basically he wrote the book about his experience and i got really interested because it talks about being able to hold your breath for like two or three minutes at a time which I'm a very heavy breather. You guys probably hear me on the podcast. Just, I'm very, it's no secret. Like everybody knows I'm a very, very, and I can't hear it. It's not something that I notice, but um, people are always mentioning it. So as part of that, I feel like I, I take shallow breaths, which means um, I can't hold I my do breath well. very long. So it's, it's, it became, a, you know, really intriguing to me. I followed the exercise for the first time, like one night in my living room. Literally, the first time I ever tried it. I went from being able to hold my breath for like 30 seconds to like well over a minute. I was like, wow, this is wild. And so I was like, there's something to it. Continued practicing it, learning it more and more. Flash forward to today, I can hold my breath for like three minutes. You can too. Like, yeah. You learn the technique. And, and the power, like the breathing side of it is a whole different. We're going to have to do a whole different conversation we on that. We should do one. We should do an episode where oh, we yeah. go through the breathing because it's changed our lives. Yeah. Like, like more than almost anything that i've you know like if, if they said hey can you have to pick between meditation or working out or these different things or breathing i honestly would probably pick i mean working out's up there but way over meditation way over those other things breathing, breathing yeah. has caused a greater joy sense of being present in the moment um i mean it's actually cured pains in my body i know uh -huh. that sounds all snake oil but i had nerve pain i had neuropathy in my legs you know from all the sports i played over the years but it's truly healed aspects of my life. We should do an episode. I agree. No, we'll do it. And so the other part of that is the ice baths. Um, Wim Hof uh, preaches that exposing yourself to the cold um, allows this huge, like episode one of podcast of this, we talked about uh, taking cold showers. And those of you who did it, you noticed that there was a significant change in your physiology. Like your body started to respond. Um, your blood started flowing differently. Inflammation went away. Your appetite may have gotten better. Uh, you may start sleeping better. Exposing yourself to cold water um, does a number of different things. And I'm just going to hit some high-level uh, topics here. There are some high-level benefits. Number one, 
first and foremost, I think, is inflammation. Inflammation, uh, they say, is the root of all disease. So anytime you've got uh, too much blood or, I don't even want to say pus, but the, for lack of a better word, like your body starts to send um, liquids, like blood, to areas that are hurt or injured or, or damaged in an effort to like protect them and to help them you know heal but the inflammation actually ends up creating more problems like if, if, if you're swollen it, it leads to a situation where you can't recover and it ultimately winds up turning into much you know bigger bigger issues so what the cold water therapy does is it basically uh your body has, I think it's a gallon of blood in it. I think it's roughly a gallon of blood at any given time. Um, and as you're up walking around, that gallon of blood is spread from your head to your toes. When you get the cold water, your body has to protect the vital organs. So it says, all right, we're gonna take all the blood and send it right to the core. We're gonna surround the heart, we're gonna surround the liver, we're gonna surround everything that, that we need to protect with blood to keep it all warm. The extremities will be fine for now. So your arms and legs and you know all that, the blood flows out of them. Well, in doing that, that slows down the inflammation it, 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 it kind of like filters your blood is the best way to, that i look at it and uh, you sit in the bath for two or three minutes you, you don't want to get your core temperature too low because obviously that's that's dangerous but you got to be in the ice for a while for that to happen you get out and your heart says okay coast is clear we're gonna start pumping blood again and it pumps all the blood back out and your body flushes red for a little bit and it feels amazing and it's just like this I like to like, I view it as like changing my oil filter, right? Like I, I, I force my body to um, pull the blood and then push it back out. And then also um, it's a really unique thing because you can actually control your body temperature when you're in the ice by just controlling your breathing. So it's like, it's, I, I picture this thermostat in my head. I hate cold water more than anybody, guys. I hate it. But over the last three months i've done ice baths every single day religiously haven't missed it unless i was on the road or on like a weekend but i don't the most i've missed is like one day or two um and the benefits are insane and the i now crave cold water like i can't start my day without it it's like the if you drink uh you know uh, energy drinks or coffee or whatever in the morning try cold water sit in an ice bath for three minutes and you will how long does it take you to warm up though that's the cool thing is you learn this horse stance and it allows you to have the blood push back to your, you know, your hands and your feet. So you do this little movement. Anyway, it's like what Dave's saying. It's like an oil change. But your feet, because I know like when I, you know, when I get cold, man, my feet stay cold the for thing an is, dude, hour. You're not going to get frostbite. Like it feels, it's painful at first um, when you're in the ice, but there's things that you can do like low impact um, movements that get your blood pumping uh, because you don't want to heat up too fast. That's actually a bad thing too. Um, you know, if I went straight from my ice bath to my sauna, I could potentially hurt myself. So try not to overheat and try not to, to reheat too quickly. Um, that's why Wim Hof teaches the ice stance or the, the horse stance where basically like it's just kind of like this weird like stand up like haka kind of growling type move. Um, but you can warm up those parts of your body pretty quickly by just focusing on them and, and like giving them movement. Um, so that's, and there's another thing with, with your feet, if they stay cold, uh, you might want to add some niacin to your diet. What is that? Um, niacin is basically <clears throat> just improved circulation. Yeah, it, it's, uh, they call it a niacin flush. You know, like you'll get that itchy feeling when you drink pre-workout, sometimes your nose, your face, your ears, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's 
it's just yeah. a, it's a supplement. It's a vitamin. So Brian Bailey just got a tub and he lives close to me. So dude, I'm, I'm telling him I'm you, jumping it's, in. it's powerful. It's it's the greatest thing. It is my favorite part of every day. Like literally between breathing and the ice baths, which I do right back to back, it's my favorite part of the day by far. Like if I don't do it, if I miss it, I feel like my whole day is just like a cloudy. You feel kind of crazy. Fog. Yeah, you you just feel anxious. So um, there's a ton of other health benefits too. People report being able to like raise their own testosterone levels. Um, you can sleep better. You can you can trim off excess fat. Like the list goes on and on and on. But for me, I think the number one most valuable thing that I've gotten out of it is forcing myself to do something hard uh, every single day. So it's created this crazy self-control that I didn't even know I had because um, I don't have to do it. Nothing, nobody's making me do it. The doctor's not you know, doing, telling me to do it. And it's like, if I don't do it, I don't die. But I just force myself to do it every single day. And there's days where, man, it's been a cold winter here in Utah. It's, there's been mornings I go down to my, my hangar and it's 10, 15 degrees and I got to break through eight inches of ice to be able to get in my freaking ice bath. And I'm sitting there with icebergs floating around, like stinging, cutting my shoulders. And it's just like, this sucks. But when you get out, you've already conquered like the most difficult part of your day. And anything that comes after that, this is, a, this is what I think it is. And I don't think I even knew this until I just started saying this. Anything that comes after that is like nothing. Everything's a piece of cake after you did that because you, fo you, you faced like one of the most difficult physical and mental challenges that humans can face, which is almost dying. And you're not almost going to die, but your body thinks you are. So a lot of different reasons. Um, it, uh, that definitely needs its own podcast in and of itself. Do you feel like it got it. easier? It, it's weird. Mine goes in cycles. Right. A couple weeks after I started doing it, I was like, I got this all day. I, I, I could get in and not even change my breath or my heart rate. This morning I got in and I was screaming like a crazy man. <laughs> like I, It takes me a good like, 10, 15 seconds to shake it. And then all of a sudden, once you shift gears and your body's good, you're good. Yeah, they said, you know, it's that first 60 seconds that's the, the hardest for you. I found that, you know, if, after doing it consistently, maybe you get that down to like 40 seconds or whatever. But then there are those cycles where, you know, it peaks back up. But I love it too. It's a, it's incredible. There's definitely days that I, I find myself putting it off. Like I don't want to do it. But then you have that amazing feeling afterwards. And so when you do those hard things, not much else during yeah, your day. Yeah, just do this. Do me a favor. This is a checklist item. You guys are getting one right now. Start doing ice baths. Uh, for those of you who are veteran, list, uh, veteran listeners, you started doing cold showers when we first started this. Well, we are up in the ante. Go to Tractor Supply or the farm store, wherever it is, or go to Amazon. And uh, there's a Rubbermaid um, plastic tub, like 150 gallons, 150 I think is what it is. We have, yeah. uh, if you live in a cold climate, just fill it up with a hose, leave it outside, jump in it every morning. The minimum that you should be in there is two minutes. The most you should be in there is about 10. So I like to do three to four minutes. It feels really good. Um, I don't let myself do less than three. And I think the tub is like 150 bucks, maybe if that. Um, if you live in a warm area, fill it with water and then just go grab a couple bags of ice or you know, keep uh, some frozen water bottles in the freezer every day, put them in there, cool it off. Because I'm telling you, it's a, it's a game changer. Like this is one of those things that I swear by there's very few things that i fully 100 percent swear by this is one of them this is definitely something that i feel like the benefits are things that you did you didn't even know you needed keaton made a pretty big claim uh, i'd like to ask you guys he says that if you have anxiety or depression to start taking ice baths and he feels like that will help with that big time when we all did that first breathing 
I'll never forget it. We all did it uh, in the hangar together. Um, I shouldn't say the first time. You know, Dave Dave is experimenting it in the summer, and, and we did it together a few times. Uh, backing up, I'll explain what he's talking about. We had a, a Wim Hof a certified right. instructor, somebody who spent time with him and was certified to be able to teach this. He is a buddy of mine. He came over to us um, a few months ago and basically sat down and said, all right, here's the whole program. Here's how it works. I'm going to show you how to do it from start to finish. And that's how Kenny got exposed to it. And I started doing it legit at that time. And we've been doing it obviously since. And what was it? Was it like an hour and a half of breathing? Uh, yeah, hour, hour and a half. Yeah. Keaton, you know, after the first one or two or three rounds of breathing said that, you know, it's one of the first times his anxiety went away. And uh, oh, I definitely felt the same way. I mean, I have like this anxious urge most of the time and it just brought like a peace, just a very calming, you're present mentally. And that's the other, he kind of, you know, Wim Hof discusses uh, the ice baths, the breathing and then mindfulness. Those are kind of that three prong. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, definitely. It's, it's all about, uh, I mean, a lot of it is mental being able to push yourself in a situation that's uncomfortable and that you don't like. Um, but dude, it's crazy. Like I am not a guy that can meditate very well. I've always tried. I've tried my hardest my entire life, but I have got a very overactive mind. I suck at it too. Dude, this is, this is, this is key right here. So this is on the breathing side of it. I combine my breathing with my meditation. Um, yep. And it's finally like your body's, your body's experiencing enough of a physical reaction that, uh, you don't need to think about anything or focus on anything, and it allows your mind to go places that you otherwise I don't think could could actually go. Um, it's actually a physical change in your body. I don't actually want to get you to do it, Marcus, but um, yeah. definitely put that on your list, guys. Checklist is is if you really want to get serious about becoming better in literally every way, go start taking ice baths and tell me how you feel in a month or two, and tell me if there's if if you can tell me. If you can tell me that you 100% genuinely, honestly, haven't experienced a change at all in anything, I'll buy your, I'll give you all the money for your ice bath. I'll pay for it. I'll give you all your money back for it. That's just, that's how powerful it is. Um, one last question, and we'll wrap it up here because uh, the night is running long. That's a fun fact. We record these at night. Most people don't realize when you listen to this, most podcasts don't say what time of day it is. Uh, we try to do these like Tuesday or Wednesday nights. 937 currently 937 and our beautiful wives allow us to stay down here and ramble for hours and and uh sometimes you know while we're playing catch up here with the episodes we'll probably try to shoot uh two or three episodes in a night just to be able to make sure we got content loaded up for you guys uh because once the conversation gets rolling it is really really hard to find a stopping point at least for me yeah because yeah there's just so like all of this kind of is a common thread that, that, that ties everything together. So once you start talking about one thing, you kind of got to, you know, talk about something else. So do you guys have any questions uh, that you... I would just recommend if we're throwing out the breathing and the ice baths to go YouTube. Um, and he has an app too, Wim Hof. Yep. Um, Wim Hof, you know, he has great guided tutorials. It's Wim, W-I-M-H-O-F, uh, breathing tutorial. I think the first one, uh, if you just do like the beginner one, it's like 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Um, it's well worth it. As far as the ice baths go, I, I didn't ever YouTube anything about that, but I can tell you the secret that helped me the most was when you initially get in cold water, you want to, your knee-jerk reaction is to breathe in with your mouth. You know, take quick breaths, but don't do that. Breathe in through your nose if you can. It calms your um, your nervous system. So. It, it tells your body that you're okay. So breathe in through your nose when you first get into the ice baths and hang in there. I love it. 
Uh, last question is a simple one, and it's, uh, I think we talked about this, I can't remember when, it was part of one of these recent conversations, but it basically says, um, would you ever shave your beard if you would? Uh, what would have to be the reasoning behind it, like a fundraiser or something? The answer is no, I wouldn't. Uh, just because my beard is part of my brand, it's part of what people recognize, and I can do a lot more fundraising and good with having a beard than without. And the same goes for Diesel Dave. So we get asked that all the time, and people think it's like fun, cute, or clever, or whatever to ask that. And and maybe there's certain people that would make sense to do, but for me, it would it wouldn't make sense at all. It would actually probably hinder the growth of my business because I have a recognizable look, right? People see me and they think you're a brand. Yeah, I'm a, it's a brand and it was never intended to be that way, but now it is. And, and, uh, last thing I want to do is do something that could like slow my momentum because it's taken me a long time to get to the point where I built up this massive momentum in my business and in my life that I'm not saying the beard would stop that, but why distract from it? Yeah. So, well, and you like it. I do enjoy it. I I, yeah. I actually enjoy having a beard because I hate shaving more yeah. than anything. It's the worst. So, uh, nope, never going to shave it. Well, I'm not going to say never, but I'm never going to do it because somebody asked me to or enticed me to. I mean, I honestly don't think I would shave it for a million bucks. I, a million might be a number, but I honestly don't shave I, for less than that. Not a chance. I got one more question, kind of lighthearted, but I think it needs to be answered. Uh, Someone said that they were searching on Google for the term "give her the onion," and they're not quite sure what it means, and they can't find out what it is. So, if you would uh, please describe and uh, elaborate on what "give her the onion" means, I want to say we picked up the term "give her the onion" from our uh, northern neighbors, the Canadians. I'm pretty sure I heard Canucks. I heard a Canuck say "give her the onion, bud" or something like that when he was talking about telling his <laughs> bud to to he's telling somebody to floor it. Or I that didn't happen, and Dave and I maybe just made it up. I don't know, but Dave and I have been saying that to each other for years, and it just basically means "give her hell," like "give her the onion," just floor it, just 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 go. That's what "give her the onion" means. So stinky stink. I, that, that's definitely not "give her the stinky stink." So that's, that's a different thing. Pedal of the metal. Gasser. Checklist <laughs> items, huh? <laughs> Checklist items. Um, uh, first one I think that you pointed out early was uh, find God. something like a hobby to be competitive at. Mm, you think? It's more, yes, but it's, all, it's also, it's no, it's focus. It's finding, it's get damn good at something and let get, go of things. Get damn good at something. So yeah, uh, don't take the shotgun approach. Take the, uh, you know, narrow it down and take the laser approach. Like, get good at a few things, and then once you master those, then start, start, you know, growing. But don't try to be everything to everyone because you'll just be mediocre to everyone. So that is very, very, very critical. And figure out what those things are. It can apply to hobbies. It can apply to relationships. It can apply to your career. It can apply to everything. But uh, if you're listening to this, my gut tells me that you're probably the type of person who might be trying to take on maybe one or two too many things. So um, it's okay to let those things go until you get better at what you're actually you're trying to be. You're an expert at something. Yeah. Be an expert in something. Yeah, definitely. Master it. Uh, next checklist item was it the... The ice tub was ice one. Yeah. Uh, definitely want to get yourself in an ice bath as soon as possible and not just once. Do it regularly. Do it every day. Um, if you're doing cold showers, still doing them from when we told you to before, that's awesome. Uh, this is obviously the next logical step um, for for somebody who wants to take that serious and see, you know, explore like what your body's actually capable of. It's 
pretty cool stuff, guys. I'm telling you, uh, we will do a separate podcast. Probably I've been working with Wim Hof actually on getting him on the show. Um, he's really anxious to do a podcast with us. And I talked about maybe doing it while we were sitting in ice baths. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, that would be Kevin awesome. Hart does that, that show cold as balls, which is actually pretty entertaining. Um, there's a different cause they just kind of like dip themselves in the ice, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you made full eye contact with me when you said I don't know what's going on. You're, you're picturing dipping uh, in there, huh? No, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, that's 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 pretty much it. But um, next week's episode, can I talk about next week's episode? Yeah, we can. The episode after this one, guys, you're going to be excited because we're going to talk about uh, the Badger, the Nikola Badger, the electric truck that I'm really excited about. And once you understand why I'm excited, I believe that you are going to be excited as well. So the last thing I want to ask you to do is um, if we've given you any sort of value, if you've enjoyed this, if this has helped you in any way, shape or form, share it with somebody, please, with a friend or a family member, whoever. Let um, them know we back. Let them know that we're back this week and uh, hopefully not <laughs> Hopefully not going to do another huge hiatus here anytime soon, but also um, reviews and ratings and subscribers on on iTunes helps us a ton. So, um, And also just tell us what you're doing, what's going on, how this has helped you. So uh, anyways, we appreciate you guys. We love you and we'll talk to you soon. I'm impossible to impress Send the checks for my new address Pay it in full, I got no stress This isn't personal, it's business